stories are the software of our lives. We as the humans, the hardware, need an upgrade of our spiritual software, our stories, our wisdom more than ever. Each of these episodes will be like a performance psychologist, philosopher, religious professor, and a monk walked into a bar and had a conversation. It's just me on this podcast because that's the weird conversation that's happening in my brain. I'll be drawing from other wisdom traditions, but each episode will be drawing from one main tradition, the Bible. I'll be drawing from 40 stories. And as I look at these 40 stories, I'll be distilling it down so that you can find the wisdom you need to help upgrade your story wherever you find yourself. The polycontemplative approach is not dedicated to any belief system or ideology. It's an invitation for all of us to pay attention to wisdom that's been passed down our way for thousands of years and learn from it in a new, fresh way today. Welcome to polycontemplative number four. I remember being sometime around the ninth grade, hearing the song, Losing My Religion. And I I remember hearing it for the first time over this loudspeaker and just kind of the haunting feel that it had, Uh, only to find out years later, as I've been through a journey we're going to talk about together here, um, those lyrics just resonated even more. Then I found out he didn't even mean that song about losing your religion, but it's like what it means to reach out and to love and to not have that love reach back. But as much as he meant it about a romantic relationship, I still think it applies. What's it like for you when you're in a place and you're reaching out for life, people, the universe, meaning, existence, circumstances to reach back to you in a way that you could get some clarity, some peace, some direction to not feel alone. We've all been there, if we're honest. And what I love about what the, the story that we're going to look at today is this character named Elijah. He's so bold. He's so courageous. He's passionate. And, and up to a point, he holds reality when it's not giving him something that he knows that he needs to a standard. And uh, then he reaches the end of himself. So first, we've got to get the setting of the story. And in this story, we've got what's happening throughout human history. And it's hard for us because we're not connected to it agriculturally. Uh, They need rain. I mean, if you weren't getting whatever your structure is like financially, if you weren't getting payment in for work done, you would be like, oh, I've got to get money, Uh, a paycheck, whatever that looks like. For them, rain was like a paycheck. So if it's not raining, crops aren't coming in, they're not getting what they need, and we've got a lot of crazy times about to hit, chaos, crisis, all that happens. So as we do in these moments, we, we reach out for uh, the the spiritual, the mystical, the enlightened, the religious. And, and again, for me, as we walk through this story, I'm thinking about it through the terms of what it looks like to understand the progression of human consciousness and religion and psychology. So Elijah is needing it to reign, and he is uh, just focusing this impassion, this intensity into this circumstance that needs to change. Man, I, I resonate with this too much. I remember one time when I was at a place in life and uh, needed a house to sell. Like our whole life was held up around our house not selling. And if you've ever been through a circumstance like this where we were moving states away, it was when the real estate crisis was in happening in the states in 2007 and it wasn't selling. And I remember the desperation I felt like, uh, you know, ah, I'm so powerless. Uh, we've been there, right? If you haven't been there, you will be there at some point in life. So Elijah's there. And what he does, and this is a part of his 
his personality that is celebrated by people that read this story, but miss the deeper reality, the progression of how he grows. He sets up this showdown. And what's interesting, if you, if you read through the story, you know, you see, and, and however you think about this, that's not the point right now. Uh, the, the God character, if we could say it that way, God says there's going to be rain. So when he shows up, Elijah shows up into this story as it's unfolding, he sets up a showdown. Now, the interesting thing to me is God never said to Elijah, set up this showdown. Elijah has this bravado about him, this intensity where he wants this experience to be even bigger. So it's not enough that we need it to rain, but Elijah goes, I'm going to use this to prove to everyone that there's one God that's real, this this God Baal isn't real, and I want this big showdown to happen. Because if this big showdown happens, if this big miracle happens, if this big circumstance happens, then everyone will know the truth. And everyone will come to God, and then our country will be where we need it to be again. I mean, you can see as much as we think we've evolved as a human society, we haven't evolved that much. And there are people that are listening to this right now that could go, okay, well, hey, hey, what about this? Let's just take all spirituality out of the equation and then we're we're going to be better for that because clearly this sets up some superstition and nationalism. Well, the problem is then we lose the wisdom of this story. So hang with me for a minute. He sets up this big showdown. And in this big showdown... You know, God sends the rain and this uh, altar, (laughs) this fire, you know, is lit when it's soaking wet and it's this big showdown. And in Elijah's mind, everything is going to work out now because the big miracle happened. The big circumstance happened. Finally, yes. If you've ever really tried to live at the edge of your abilities or pursue a vision in life or change anything, you know what it's like when you get connected to a circumstance and you're like, if this happens, then this will happen. And sometimes you've had that rare causation connect, but more often than not, the thing happens and we're still in a place that we're struggling because we missed the bigger lesson. And the story of Elijah takes us through a progression where we can see how we learn the bigger lesson. So here's what happens to Elijah. Elijah's convinced everyone is going to see this big thing happen and it'll all get back on track. Except that's not what happens. It's not what happens. And the political leaders are mad and angry. And what Elijah does in his anger is kill people in his intensity, in his ferocity, in his ferociousness, in his losing himself, in the bigness of this moment. And so he's already letting himself get swept away. God never said to kill the false prophets. That's what they're called in this story. But that's what he did. And so then he finds out he's in danger and he runs for his life. We don't know how far he runs for sure, somewhere about 17 to 30 miles and he's exhausted and you get the sense that he's ready to either at least quit what he's doing when he's trying to be the spiritual leader for his nation at least do that he's quitting he might even be ready to die because he dismisses his servant and he travels into the wilderness 
a 40-day journey. Now, when you see these things in these ancient stories, you've got to remember how they're told around the fire over and over and over, right? If, if I'm sitting around the fire and my child is telling me about something they're struggling with and maybe as they're engaging into adulthood, what they're struggling with is a circumstance not going like they want and they really are discouraged, they've lost heart, then I'm going to say something like, you know, that makes me think about a guy named Elijah. See, these are how these, these stories, they kept being told, kept, kept evolving, kept being shaped to where they are, these powerful, powerful tools that we can gain so much wisdom from. So Elijah's in this place. He's lost heart. He's discouraged. He thought if the big thing happened, whatever the big thing you'd like to see happen is, he thought if the big thing would happen, then the other stuff would work out. But that's not what happened. So he's in a place where he's discouraged. He's defeated. We do find this desperation about him. And he's exhausted. 40 days into the wilderness. And again, it's not so much about the specific number as much as it is about he's at the complete edge. There's nothing left. And we find that... He, in this place of desperation and breakdown, in this exhaustion, he's fed by an angel. Now, real quick, you know, I want to talk about the spectrum between mystical and enlightenment. When I think about what it means to interact with the world and understand spirituality and religion and, you know, the monk part of me that wants to practice all I can and an experience and, and you know, I, I want to have the most robust experience I can Spiritually, I also don't want to build up any superstition. So what's it like for me in in the religious professor brain that I have to look at how things advance and progress? But what's it also like for me to understand the, the psychology here? Look, when you've not eaten, when you're exhausted, when you've gotten to the complete end of your, you know, physical faculties, there's nothing left in the tank, then you're more likely to have an experience. I mean, this is the weird part of human history, the weird part of being human. These experiences tend to happen when we're at the edge of all of what we know and who we are. So so the enlightened mind, the mystical mind, they kind of have this tension. The enlightened mind wants to take this apart and ask, is it real or is it not? Um, And the mystical mind wants to say it has to be real. When I think about this tension, I have a foot in both worlds. To me, it's not about whether it's real or not. It's that these things happen. And are they our brain manifesting this experience? Experience Is our brain tuning consciousness? And in that moment, we're just, we're tuning something that we're not usually able to access. I'm going to say, it doesn't matter to me which one it is. I'm happy putting a foot in both of those worlds because at all costs. I want to keep growing. And so Elijah is fed by an angel. Now, there's some symbology and meaning in all of the, the, the stuff that's happening here. And as the pecans, the poly contemplatives, go check that out. Go research it. There's always more that you can explore. But I want you to focus on this. He gets enough sustenance to go into the cave. Now, Look, I referenced this in one of the earlier episodes. Some of you have heard of Joseph Campbell. Uh, He did a lot of his work based on Carl Jung. 
And there was another guy named Eric Newman. And you can find these different voices throughout human history that have said, like the way you change your life, and Joseph Campbell provided stages to it, is to go into the cave. The thing that you're afraid to step into is the place where all the transformation happens. So just think about how powerful this story is. Again, imagine the dad telling it to the kid around the fire. And then Elijah went into the cave. And he goes into the cave, and what happens? A voice. A voice says, why are you here? Again, what is that voice? Whether there's enlightenment for you and you say, you know, all is an illusion or the mystical for you, the enlightenment in you that says, you know, there's, there's not a specific definable sacred, the mystical that says I'm open to a specific definable sacred, not one that I can fully sum up because if I could, then I would be that's sacred. Wherever you find yourself, I'm just fascinated with this story because the voice of God says, why are you here? Why are you here? See, what happens to us when we go through this period and we have these breakdowns where we start to really find we're at the edge of all we know, what we believe, what we hold on to, that's when that question hits us. Why am I here? What is going on? I've been at places in my life where I've gone through massive transitions and that question why, it was usually there earlier, but I stuffed it down. I pressed it down. And it was only through the intensity of the circumstance, through the 40-day journey where I came to the edge that I could actually hear that question with greater clarity. Why are you here? And you can hear in Elijah, the way that he views the world, the defensiveness. Look, I have served you with passion. I've done what you've said. I've, I've played the game by the rules. You can imagine all these phrases that we would all say in these moments. I went to college. I got the degree, and this is what's happened to me. I did all this, and I'm the only one. And again, we see what happens to us when we're in these moments where we're at the edge. We find this belief that we have that it's just us. And you see this in this story. Now, what's fascinating to me is this question comes to Elijah twice. Why are you here? Why are you here? You know, you see in these wisdom stories where questions are asked numerous times. In episode one, we looked at this idea of uh, the story of the garden. And when God actually shows up to Adam and Eve, where are you? Does God not know where Adam and Eve are? I mean, that's the big idea in this story that there's this this God character who knows all and created, why would he not know where they are? He's asking the question. She's asking the question. God's asking the question. (laughs) Some of you get that. Because Adam needs to say it out loud. I'm here. This is what's happening for Elijah here. Where are you? Where are you? Right? Why are you here? What brought you here? I know why, Elijah, but you don't yet know. You haven't yet figured out what's happened. You started to build everything you thought about your life and about me around me showing up with the big, the fire, and the rain. But guess what, Elijah? And this is what Elijah experiences. An earthquake, wind, and fire. The bigness, just to make sure Elijah doesn't miss the visual. This lesson is experiential. It's impacting all of his senses. I'm not there, Elijah. Where am I? Why are you here? To find this out. 
I'm not in the earthquake and the wind and the fire. I'm in the coal day. This is where we're headed. Just hang tight for a second. <laughs> mama Daka. The coal day mama Daka. The Hebrew term for a sound of thin silence. Now, the way that you've probably heard it interpreted is the still small voice. And we talk about the still small voice. If that is what you resonate with, fine. I like the sound of thin silence. Because what's happening for Elijah here is everything gets so quiet that it's such a deep silence. He can actually hear. It creates an awe. See, for all of us, whether or not we know it or not, we follow this progression. When we really get activated, when we really want to make an impact in the world, when we really want to reach the fullness of who we are in the world and try to see what could become of our lives, we go through these stages. You know, I heard one person talk about it this way. We start out with this wonder. You know, I was so convinced of what my life would be like when I was in college. And now I look back at that 24 years later. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you thought you knew so much. We start out with this wonder. And, and then what follows from that, I read where one author took Teresa of Avia, Christian mystic, and put the stages of transformation through these five things. We start out with wonder. And then we engage the world with bravado. And then we get disillusioned. Like Elijah, it's not going like we thought. I thought the big, the earthquake, the wind, the fire, that's where God is. God is in the sound of the thin silence. We get disillusioned. And when we get disillusioned, we think it'll get better, but actually then we enter into the shattering. Our world gets turned upside down, only to find out later we hit the fifth stage glory. It gets turned right side up. The hardest stuff that I've been through, the most challenging, has been the stuff that's changed my life the most. It's, it's when I've sat in the wilderness, in the cave, some of you that know my story, sitting on the deck of a house we were renting with an eviction notice and saying, I've done all this and this is what I get, only to find out it's not about the earthquake, it's not about the wind, it's not about the fire. It's the cold day, Mama Daka, the sound of thin silence. For me, over and over, what life brings me to is this progression of change in small ways throughout the day when I have the expectations of how I think it should go. And then I'm not set up to have an open hand for the surprise of how it might go. Life is always limited by the edge of my imagination. And my imagination is the greatest tool that I have to open up what is the potential. And when I am set in my ways, when I think it's got to happen in the big, I miss the sound of thin silence that guides me, that gives me wisdom, that helps me. See, what Elijah had done, we could say it this way, he had built his understanding of the sacred and who he was around stuff going right in his mission or in his roles. And when stuff goes right in your mission and your roles, you can lose yourself in the losses and you can get swept away in the winds. But when you know who you are, more than the wins and the losses, more than it going right, more than it going the way that you want it to, you actually go within and find that sound of thin silence. Now, when I think about this story, I think about what it means to me to understand that 
we all have this capacity for divinity and devilry within us. I don't resonate with people that are always virtue signaling. I tend to trust people that vice signal a little bit more because I know that there's some more honesty in their lives about the devilry within them. We all have this potential out of shame to get misguided, to take the wrong direction, to do what Elijah did where he actually enacted violence against these false prophets, false, putting in air quotes there, uh, against these false prophets because he was zealously overtaken with the mission. Those kinds of people and leaders are dangerous because they haven't found the sound of thin silence. They don't know who they are apart from the roles. They don't know who they are apart from the winning and the losing. They think it's all about the earthquake, wind, and the fire. They can't find the sound of thin silence where they step beside others and then serve because something's changed in them. I think about what Louis C.K. said when he said God could clear a lot up if you do a five-minute press conference. And I think that's hilarious because we build so much of our understanding around all these matters, black and white, who's wrong and right. When these ancient stories tell us over and over again, it's not like we thought it was. Instead, it's about finding the sound of thin silence within. Now, the story isn't finished because what happens to Elijah is he's got to travel back the way he came. In fact, that's actually recorded in the story. So I imagine, you know, the dad telling the kid this story around the fire when the kid has lost his, lost heart and, and become really dis- discouraged when the child, he or she has lost their way because it didn't go like they thought it would, like Elijah. And the dad telling the story says to the child or the mom tells, telling the story to the child says this. And then God told Elijah in the cave, you got to go back the way you came. I can't imagine a more frustrating phrase at this point of the story. No, no, no. I've advanced. I've grown. I know now it's not about the earthquake, wind, and the fire. I know it's about the sound of thin silence. I, I have a new vision of, of who the sacred is. I have a new vision of who God is. I have a new vision of who I am. And, and now I have a new mission. And you actually have that in the story. God gives Elijah a new mission. I don't want to go back the way I came. I want to advance. I don't want to go have to do that over. The go back the way he came, the reason this is so important from a wisdom standpoint is because he's got to travel back through that journey, that wilderness journey for 40 days to unlearn all that he had falsely built his life around. That's the hard part about transformation finishing its work. We get the new insight and we want to rush off when oftentimes our circumstance won't yet change because we're still applying the lesson to the deepest reality of our lives and it requires so much unlearning. So if any of you are in a place right now where you're building your life around the earthquake, wind, or the fire, this story is a caution. If any of you are in a place right now where you've lost heart and lost your way, this story is an encouragement to say, hold on, go into the cave. And if you've gone into the cave, but you're still not seeing the results that are born out of this new reality and this new experience, you know life could be more than it is right now. It's going to take a lot of courage, but keep unlearning the false ideas that got you here. Because as we find in the wisdom, 
traditions here in the Bible and other wisdom traditions all over the world, God is both form and formless. And until we know the sound of thin silence, we can't have one foot in the world of enlightenment where we understand so much is an illusion and we can't have one foot in the world of the mystical where we understand that not everything can be measured in a lab and some experiences are more real than real. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being here and listening to this episode. Please feel free to rate and share the podcast with others. More importantly, I want to invite you to come to SightShift.com, S-I-G-H-T Shift.com. There, I'm obsessively focused on helping people with three problems. Number one, how to work on their worldview and make their own meaning. Number two, how to find their place in the world and move with a laser-focused mission. And number three, transcend status games and build the healthy community they want to be a part of. Through our platform of content, certified coaches, and community, we are transformational guides to help you find your wisdom. Join us at SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, Shift.com.